Well, welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to True Card Shine. <laughs> it's a podcast where I sing sometimes, not well. But mostly we talk about true crime, astrology, any other weird bullshit we can fit into this podcast. Uh, we are your host, Hannah. And Meredith. Sarah's still not here because we're recording two episodes in a row, so... <laughs> There's a peek behind the curtain, folks. But this is episode 8-6. Woo! Woo! Even numbers. Well, we're still here. I'm just probably drunker than I was last (laughs) and more brain dead. This will be fucking great. So. It will be. I promise. Biznatch. Biznatch. We have added two more countries. Ooh. Ooh, which ones? Ooh, I'm so excited. However. Oh, no. I am not sure that they actually count because it is the TCT fan club president listening oh, on no. her worldwide honeymoon. She is going on the longest fucking honeymoon I've ever heard of. And she's hey, having GT. such a wonderful time. <laughs> like, I'm jealous. That's why I said it like that. Nonetheless, we welcome Greece and the Maldives. We will welcome them. And TT, I'm hoping that you packed some TCT stickers to pass out all over the world, even if you left them at the airport. I went to this Halloween party with the board gang group that I kind of accidentally joined. Yeah. And I met someone else. She streams on Twitch. And so I was talking about my podcast. She was talking about Twitch. And she had a little tiny business card. And she asked me for my business card. I was like, "Ah, no. (laughs) But then I always realized I should just put a couple stickers on my purse. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So next time I see her, I'll give her a sticker. Nobody wants stickers because nobody request them i think we sent one out so i don't know if stephanie our commenter our sweet yeah, you and i have a listener sticker. that sent hannah a good vibe email if you would like a sticker email. reach out again with your address and i will get one of those shipped off to you that was all yeah td should just be like putting stickers in random places right i mean can she really maintain or the president of our right. fan club if she's not doing some like outreach what do they call that advertising, advertising. outreach yeah because we're not doing any social media stuff marketing at the marketing <laughs> that's why that's that's what we're not doing and why no one knows about this podcast <laughs> anywho she's enjoying her honeymoon to the absolute fullest so congratulations again to we look forward to seeing you next year because you've abandoned us for your love of each other for the holidays that's kind of sweet it is oh and p.s i sometimes buy things that are not needed Uh uh-huh me too I made a purchase that I really don't feel any sort of guilt about, but for Christmas, my husband, my daughter, and I will all have pajamas that have both of our cats' faces on them. Oh, that's so cute. I'm pretty stoked. I love that. Oh, (laughs) God. Yeah, that's totally worth it. Oh, it was so worth it. (laughs) Like the best money I've spent so far for Christmas (laughs) shit. All right, let's get this started. This is a short one. Let's get but it, it started is... in here. Okay. Woo! This story I think you're really going to love, Hannah. It's old. Yay! And it's murdery, but it's not the husband or boyfriend per se. It's but... fine. I don't hate all significant others. I'm fine. But it's it's about a petty bitch, basically. Okay, maybe that's my favorite story is petty <laughs> bitch story. Although some of the bitches I brought to the podcast, that was not petty. They That was deserved what they did. Oh, yeah, yeah. Alice Kyteller yeah. was not a petty bitch. No, 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 definitely not. This particular lady, I say, is... Is she a Capricorn? Because I feel like Capricorns can be petty. I will leave that up to you because all I could get was her birth year. Okay, that's unhelpful. And nothing else. <laughs> yeah, we can make a guess at the end. How about that? Okay. So 
This is a deja vu alert, and I've had one of these before. I am almost positive that we have talked about this case, or at very least referenced it, but I did check our spreadsheet, and I checked our audio files, and I came up with nada. Okay. This is a shorty, but it is interesting for so many reasons. But what originally caught my eye was that this was the first American prosecution for a crime that occurred in two jurisdictions. Okay. I have no idea what this is going to be. Let's meet Cordelia or Delia Brown. Let's meet her, guys. It's Petty Bitch (laughs) O'Clock. She was born in 1854 in Missouri. Nice and old. To Richard and Lamina Brown, which I really kind of love. Lamina. I don't hate it. It's definitely fallen out of favor. I've never heard it before. But like Mina is a cute name. Yeah, for sure. And it does appear that she had four sisters, Frances, Margaret, Medora, and Sarah. And Sarah. Yeah. Okay, someone needs to bring back Medora. I think I love that more. Right? It's a great name. Yeah, so if you name your child Medora, please let us know. Please do. You can call her Mads for short. Oh, yeah. That's super cute. Oh, it's so fucking cute, guys. I named your baby. (laughs) I will send you a sticker or I'll make a TCT onesie for you. <laughs> yeah. Our first TCT like baby. I, said, I spend money on stupid shit. Okay. So that is basically all I could find out, at least for free, about Delia's childhood. This is the problem with historical murders. It is. Yeah. I found one interesting record that seemed to indicate that she was born in England But I'm going to guess that it's probably a different Cordelia Brown. There are lots of Cordelias and lots of Browns. So Brown especially, that's bad. I did try like hell, though, to find her birth date, but was unsuccessful. The weird thing is, is that I was able to find birthdays for almost every other fucking person in this story. Oh. Hashtag the 1800s. (laughs) So dumb. I did find some pretty interesting records in my search, and I'll tell you what. It is a good thing that I can read cursive. I love cursive. I do too. I love historical records, but damn. Some of y'all have terrible fucking penmanship. That old cursive could be fucking rough. One of the records I was looking at, I had to like blow it up to like 200% and then like really, sl- and then I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm getting, I, I'm picking this. up what I you're throwing this. down. Mm-hmm. So according to Ancestry Records, Delia married Welcome Alpen Botkin. Every single one of those names deserves a moment of silence. <laughs> I'm going to give you a minute. Soak that in. Not a whole minute, because that would be That'd a That'd be a dinner. really long time. There was this time <laughs> in college that um, two of my friends were like, let's hug for a full minute. And then oh, that had to be you so realize weird. how long a minute is when you're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I still hug it. Okay, cool. Uh, okay. <laughs> you're like, I feel weird now. <laughs> I don't want to hug for a minute. That's a lot. <laughs> hey, Jess. So, Delia married Welcome. On September 26th of 1872 in Jackson, Missouri. Their marriage record was the one that I had to blow up. But I found it. So it was great. Yeah. Success. By most accounts, Welcome was a traveling salesman. But I did also find a June 1863 Civil War draft ledger that listed his occupation as a teacher. So he may have been a teacher and then a salesman. Who knows? The pair had one son, Beverly Brown Botkin, in December of 1872. So they married September 26, 1872. Ah. Beverly was born December 1872. Bev, I see what happened here. Pre-honeymoon baby. Way pre. Like by like six months. Yeah. (laughs) The Botkin family moved west towards California and they landed in the Stockton area. Gross. Well, you know. There's a very good sandwich shop there, though. I don't remember the name, okay. though, so I can't really direct you there. But I had a fucking great sandwich there. Ugh, I love good sandwiches. We have a place in... There, it's a chain restaurant. It is in the South End. So anytime I have to go to Olympia for work or Lazy for work, I go. It's called Macone's. Okay. They make their bread every day. Oh. It's like almost like an Italian deli. And... 
they're just straight up like ham sandwich with like pepperoncinis. Mm. It's the best fucking sandwich. I'm like super picky about sandwiches. I fucking hate Subway with all of my oh yeah dark heart. Like <laughs> nobody wants that much mustard on their sandwich. No one wants Thank you. Any of your ingredients, they all fucking suck. But. There's like an Italian deli in Davis I love to go to, which can also put pepperoncinis on one of their sandwiches, which I do like a lot. Mm-hmm. And I do like this chain Sourdough and Company when they okay. make their own sourdough bread. Oh, I always get the Reuben, which I love. Oh my God, I love Reuben. Oh, God damn it. We're hungry again. Sandwiches. Sandwiches. Food pairing would just be any. Any sandwich, your favorite sandwich. Any sandwich. What is your favorite yes. sandwich? We would love to know. And where do you get Mine it? Mine is probably so a Reuben. Okay. When we're on our U.S. tour or our international tour, we can stop at different sandwich places as well. Yeah. They have to have salads too, though, because they can't eat gluten. We actually went out to celebrate my getting a job yesterday as well as my tattoo. Mm-hmm. And we went to an Italian place, but they had gluten-free options. And they brought her out this p- piece of gluten-free, like, French bread. And she was like, are you sure this is gluten-free? I've never had gluten-free bread that was, like, this flat. <laughs> I was like, well, it doesn't look like mine. Was it good? Oh, super good. Like, it was fluffy. Okay. And, like, it looked like a baguette, basically. Oh, my God. So that sounds amazing. Yeah, the uh, gluten-free, like, world is evolving. Good. Good. Because I know Sarah really wants to enjoy, like, a decent hamburger cheeseburger oh my god i can't even with, imagine like, a good bun not having that anyway <laughs> rubens off of BLT's sandwich court oh god i love blts on a croissant oh god with like a summer fresh to me okay <laughs> ah, okay we love sandwiches uh, i did not eat very much today <laughs> Now let's meet John Preston Dunning, who was born on April 29th of 1863. Less interesting name. Mm -hmm. Boring Taurus. Sorry. John worked as a wartime reporter for the Associated Press. That's not a Taurus job. That's way too much activity and like leaving the house. That's a SAG job. He spent time overseas in Samoa in 1889 and Chile in 1891. And on February 12th of 1891, John married Mary Elizabeth Pennington in Dover, Delaware. Okay. Mary Elizabeth was the daughter of ex-congressman John Pennington. Oh, yes. The John Pennington. I remember him. Yeah. <laughs> The following year, John and Mary Elizabeth welcomed their daughter. I could not find what their daughter's name was. I tried. I mean, they both have pretty boring names, so it's probably not going to be anything exciting. Well, if her name is Mary Elizabeth, I'm guessing their daughter's name is probably Elizabeth Mary. Yeah, you slip around. (laughs) Or like whatever, Mary Jane. Oh, no, not Mary Jane. Well, that had a different meaning back then. Yeah. Something boring. Beth. Ah, Beth. I don't know. That is a boring name. Sorry, Beth's out there, but li- Little Women has like ruined the name Beth for me because she was such a dud of a character. Sorry, I know she- I know she had fucking cholera or something, and but yeah, <laughs> maybe tuberculosis. I think it was tuberculosis. Probably TB. Yeah, yeah. Consumption. She was consumed by the disease. <laughs> Bye, Beth. Sorry. So they had a daughter. I don't know what her name is. Beth and. After that, they moved to San Francisco. After John received a promotion to like superintendent or manager of the Associated Press's Western Division Bureau. So like kind of big That's deal. That's a pretty right? big deal, yeah. In 1895, Delia and John met while at Golden Gate Park in San Francisco. I've been there. I'll put a picture of myself there. <laughs> is, okay. is that what All right. listeners want? <laughs> Let us know. Well, me and Sarah went there, actually. I saw a picture of me and Sarah oh, cool. together. And the Golden Gate Bridge. It's a nice park. Excellent. I don't think Sarah and I even took a picture when I was down there. We did eat a lot of food and play you a lot of cards. so much food. Like, there's only so many things you can, like, focus on. You focus on food right. and games. That's fine. The food was, ugh, it was just such good food. <laughs> Still miss it. So, John and Delia, they meet. She was sitting on a bench. They sparked up a conversation and they quickly became enchanted with each other. It didn't matter that they were both married. 
it it don't matter, folks. Like conferences are for fucking, and I don't know what <laughs> it is in the eighteen hundreds, but it doesn't matter. Well, evidently it was bench sitting in parks. <laughs> I mean, Jesus fucking Christ! A person just walked up to her on a bench and started talking to her, and it was love. No one talks to me when I'm alone, but that's because I also have rusty <laughs> bitch face because I don't want them to talk to me. Right. And it didn't matter either that John was nine years younger than Delia. So how old are they at this point? Do you know? Oh, you're going to make me do math. Nine years, de- like nine years has different meanings on how old yeah. they are, you know. I don't do math in my I was head. like, give it to me. COVID might have given me math brain. Delia was 37. So 37, 26. Isn't he 28? He's nine years younger? 28. Oh my, See, I told you I can't fucking oh do that. Oh my maps. god, COVID has taken like my lung capacity from me and a bunch of other stuff, but it's given me a good math brain, which is totally worthless for my line of work, but whatever. That's fine. I, I would not date a 20, whatever I said he was. 28. A 28-year-old's a little young. Well, actually... What I really don't want to do is date a 28-year-old who has their life together more than I do, and I'm 35. I cannot have that. So, like you said, it was kind of love at first sight. Love at first bench. Love at first bench. This encounter would actually be the start of their three-year affair. Jesus Christ. People just, like, jump into things. It's crazy. Stressful. Eventually, Delia would separate from Welcome and move to San Francisco. He can change his name to Goodbye. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) She would move into the Victoria Hotel in San Francisco. The pair remained married, and for most accounts, Welcome continued to provide Delia with regular financial support during their separation. Simp. I can't respect a man that's a simp, though, and he's just, like, giving her money. Well, I'm guessing that he really wasn't aware of her philandering ways. But she's like, hey, I'm going to move out to a hotel. And she's like, I'll pay for that. We don't know what she told him either. Like, she could have told him lots of things. Like, I I have this new job and I need to move out here for a few. It's the 1800s. She didn't have a fucking job. Well, <laughs> sorry. You never know. Leonardo Chanchuelli had a job. She owned her own soap shop. She did, and she was very good at finding the uh, substrate for the soap. Yes, 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 she was. So Delia and John spent their time together drinking and partying and playing the ponies. That sounds so fun. Yeah, right? Uh, I'd be terrible in the 1800s. It was rumored, though, that John was not only seeing Delia, but also two other married women. So it may not have been love at first sight, but Delia did seem to be his favorite. You know what? If he told Delia about the other ones and everyone's on board, that's fine. She was not aware of the other Never mind. Not okay. You just got to be open with the partner. And the partner's yeah. either going to be okay with it or not okay. Or not. And if they're not okay, mm-hmm. you guys aren't really a match. Hannah's relationship quarter. You definitely want to take advice from me. I'm alone. <laughs> Their debauchery would continue, but it eventually led to John losing his job because he had been caught embezzling $4,000 to cover his gambling debts. This is not their, like, tryst. It's John's gambling addiction, but... Yeah. Yeah, you you can't do that. No. Things went from bad to worse for John when Mary Elizabeth found out about all of his transgressions. Mary Elizabeth had a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry that I called you boring, Mary Elizabeth. <laughs> you sound like a Taurus. She was a sweet, traditional, religious Taurus. woman. She's... From a East Coast upper echelon family, right? Harvard. She was completely humiliated by John. So she took their daughter and then she returned to Delaware to live with her parents. After Mary Elizabeth left John, he became more dependent on Delia and then eventually moved into another room at the Victoria Hotel where Delia was staying. Not the same room, but a different room, probably because he was still seeing those two other married Yeah, he has to have a place to put them. 
He did gain new employment with the San Francisco Examiner and then also a local newspaper out of Salt Lake City, but was fired from both of those because he was always intoxicated. Okay. I liked uh, drinking and gambling, but now he's starting to sound like not a catch. Delia supported John financially through the tough times with the money that welcomed him. I was going to say, like, Delia didn't support him. Welcome supported him. Clearly, life was taking its toll on John, though. So when he was contacted by the Associated Press on March 8th of 1898 for an overseas assignment to cover the Spanish-American War, he jumped at the chance to get back to work. And they were like, basically, if you go into this war zone, we'll forgive you your transgressions. You can drink as much as you want. It's a war. Right. As long as we're getting some quality. And he had received... He was a good reporter. Yeah, he was a really good reporter, so they kind of forgave him. So he was due to report to Puerto Rico and then Cuba and then like back to Puerto Rico, just kind of over there. So when John told Delia the good news, she was devastated. Delia, you need to find a couple on the side as well. So... Delia cried and she begged John to stay. Go to don't go to Cuba. Leave. You don't seem to be doing anything. Go to fucking Cuba. It's great there. I mean, it's not great there, but I had a good time. But I can see there's room for improvement. <laughs> John was really excited about this opportunity to like get his life back on track and get back to work. He does need that, right? I'm not sure if he was still drinking or not, but Probably. like he at least. He, He's recognizing that, like, fuck, <laughs> I've wasted, like, the last three years And of he's my recognizing life. this is an opportunity mm-hmm. to, like, and a, good, a good, one. good one. It will turn my life around. That's important. Yeah. So he told Delia that he was never coming back to San Francisco and he was going to reconcile with his wife, Mary Elizabeth. Okay. Is Mary Elizabeth on board? <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> She's fucking in, like, Delaware right now. She is. Delia was definitely not on board, and she was pissed. Over the next several months, Mary Elizabeth received multiple letters from, quote, a friend, hmm, end quote. I wonder who. From San Francisco that detailed all of John's illicit behaviors They also urged Mary Elizabeth not to reconcile with him. Mary Elizabeth was like, I don't want these. So she gave them to her dad. Okay, someone has possession. Yeah. On August 9th of 1898, a package addressed to Mrs. John P. Dunning arrived at Mary Elizabeth's parents' house. To her delight, the package contained a fancy candy box with chocolate cream. Holy fuck! And a handkerchief. These were Mary Elizabeth's favorite chocolates. Also inside was a little handwritten note that said, quote, with love to yourself and the baby, Mrs. C, end quote. Mary Elizabeth thought the chocolates were from her friend, Mrs. Corbley, who lived in San Francisco. After dinner, the family went to go sit on the veranda to enjoy the cool night air. Mary Elizabeth opened the box of chocolates and passed them around. Oh my God. Mary Elizabeth's father, Mr. Pennington, passed Senator on... Pennington. Mary Elizabeth's father, <laughs> Senator. Do they still get called Senator? I have Senator, no fucking idea. We have to ask Marty Senator. that, to be honest. We'll just go Pennington. When Mary Elizabeth's father, Pennington, passed on the treat because he was chewing tobacco. Oh, he was very busy. Right. Well, he couldn't chew a chocolate yeah, and that sounds like tobacco. a terrible combo. Yeah. It would be icky. Blech. Her mother bit into one of the candies, but she didn't like the taste, so she kind of like put out onto the lawn. So okay. she's so like, no thanks. The whole family did not get taken out. No. Mary Elizabeth's daughter oh, no. and her niece also enjoyed a piece of solid chocolate. And then Mary Elizabeth and her sister Ida Dean and two neighbors who had stopped by to just kind of visit with the God family. God damn it, bystanders. Enjoyed some of the chocolates. So within a few hours, all six became violently ill. I mean, 
you're not surprised. No, I'm right? not surprised, but I'm also like, I would fucking take a chocolate if it was offered to me. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I'm gonna, I most definitely I'm going to get would. poisoned. You're going to get poisoned. It's fine. Right? I can't get poisoned. I have the cats to take care of. I mean, I have you my have a child. child. And my grown child, my husband, you have, like, my real things to take child. care of. <laughs> well, and I also have my kitties, too. So... Senator Pennington called for a doctor to come to the house because that was a thing back then, right? Oh, yeah, they made call the doctor, the doctor comes to you. It wasn't like there was like Mm -hmm. a medical office. Initially, it was assumed that they had gastroenteritis due to the severe cramps, diarrhea, and vomiting that they were all experiencing. I'm 100% sure I've already told this story, and my grandmother is dead, so she won't be embarrassed. But she did get all the way to a fucking MRI to figure out that she just had gas. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a big fart. And she wasn't poisoned. <laughs> Maybe I get my really bad gas from Grandma Judy. R.I.P. There, ha- It has to be something genetically oh, because my-, my kid is the fartiest, McFartiest, Tudor McTutorson, like, on the planet. It's, like, all the time. She's farting all the time. I'm just spilling all my family's tea right now. But my mom has had a lot of intestinal issues, too. And I have had them. Mine are mostly related to anxiety, I think, though. Okay. And now that I'm medicated, I've been doing a lot better. But um, I'm pretty sure my mom doesn't listen because we th- threw a little, like, life preserver to her and plans are optional. And she has not caught <laughs> that life preserver and, like, responded. <laughs> so I don't think she listens. Hi, Mom. How's your intestines? <laughs> I heard they're doing better. So are mine. <laughs> Good. Oh, what a intestinal health what is a important. great family. Love you. So the doctor thought that it may have been a bit of food poisoning. Yeah. They don't have refrigerators back then, so it was not uncommon for people to get food poisoning. It's like the symptoms of food poisoning. Yeah. And they had corn fritters. God, that sounds really good too. A corn fritter sandwich. So the family had eaten corn fritters with dinner, and so the doctor was like, I mean that could be it because they might have been a little bit older i don't anyways but senator pennington explained that the two neighbors had not eaten dinner with them so it couldn't have been that yeah mary elizabeth's daughter had a pet rabbit that was found dead in the yard the next morning the rabbit, it appeared, had eaten the discarded chocolate that oh Mary Elizabeth's God. mother just like had spit oh. out onto the lawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. The two young girls, so Mary Elizabeth's daughter and her niece, and the neighbors, the two neighbors, recovered from their illness. They only had one chocolate each, and the two younger girls, they had a solid chocolate, not like the cream-filled okay. chocolate. Yes. So it's a story about being greedy. If you take, like, more than one chocolate, you die. Well, maybe, maybe don't. But I will. <laughs> We're all gonna die sometime, folks. <laughs> That's very true. But you don't want to die from, like, this, though. I'll die from dessert, though. And I okay. probably will, because I probably will get diabetes eventually. So... Like I said, Mary's daughter and her niece and the two neighbors, they recovered from the symptoms, but Mary Elizabeth and her sister did not. They got a lot worse and they were in agonizing pain for like, I think it was like two or three days. So Mary Elizabeth had eaten three of the chocolates. A reasonable amount. had two of the chocolates. Totally reasonable. Ida died on August 11th of 1898, and Mary Elizabeth died on August 12th of 1898. Ah, okay. Senator Pennington suspected that the box of chocolates had been poisoned. this is why he was... Senators back in the day meant something. He contacted the Delaware state governor, who was his friend, and they issued a $2,000 reward, which today would be like... $72,000, by the way. Wow. Are the chocolates gone by that point? No, there were still some chocolates left. So they were looking for any information about the sender of the chocolates. Did they test the chocolates, though? We're getting them. I'm fine. Senator Pennington also sent the remaining chocolates to a chemist to be analyzed, right? The results from the chemist showed that the chocolates contained... Arsenic! Yes! Yay! (laughs) Sorry, on yay. Arsenic, the petty yes. bitch's 
favorite compound. Right? Senator Pennington also sent a telegram to John to inform him of Mary Elizabeth's sudden death. John immediately traveled from Puerto Rico to Delaware by ship, and upon John's arrival, Senator Pennington showed John the note that had come with the box of chocolates, as well as those letters Mary Elizabeth had received. Oh, yeah. John told the senator that the sender was his ex-lover, Delia Botkin. I'd be really fucking mad if my fucking daughter died because her husband was seeing someone Mm -hmm. else. He gets a chocolate. He gets four. I mean, he probably should have got the whole rest of the goddamn box and then drowned in the pond out there. Elizabeth didn't do fucking anything. She just was like, fuck you, I'm out. Leave me alone. She was just a boring to herself, and that's fine. It's comfortable. It's great. So Senator Pennington took the information to the Dover police. They in turn contacted the San Francisco police chief, Isaiah Less. The remains of the chocolate, the letters, the handkerchief, the note from the box, the box itself were all shipped to San Francisco. So Chief Less began this investigation. He was like, I'm on it. And it did not take very long for them to start to build a case against Delia. So one, the paper that wrapped the chocolates was traced back to George Haas Confectionery. Two clerks recalled selling the chocolates to a woman fitting Delia's description on July 31st of 1898. Then the handkerchief that uh, was in the box still had the tag on it from the store and it was from the city of Paris department store in San Francisco. And the clerk there identified Delia as a person who had purchased a scarf. And so how could she really recall that yeah. it was Delia? Well, Delia bore a striking resemblance to the clerk's dead mother. And then she provided the police with a picture of her dead mother and Holy fuck. Yeah. They, she really they very much did. looked alike. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I'll do it. The clerk from the Owl Drug Store recalled selling two ounces of arsenic in June of 1898 to a woman. Back when you just sell it. <laughs> right. She told the clerk that she needed the arsenic because she was going to bleach a straw hat. And he told her that there were other chemicals that would definitely work better to bleach a hat than arsenic. You say you want to kill rats. (laughs) That's what you say when you want some arsenic. Well, evidently, the bleaching of the hat, he was like, what the hell? But... This woman insisted upon buying the arsenic, so he did sell it to her. Okay, as a fucking, if I was working at the fucking cash register at a fucking drugstore, be like, yeah, fucking fine, I don't give a shit. Just get out <laughs> the fuck out of here. <laughs> so I would definitely sell you arsenic just because I was tired of my job. The package itself had been mailed from the ferry station post office in San Francisco on August 4th of 1898, and the clerk remembered this encounter because... The clerk's name was John Dunnigan, and the box was addressed to Mrs. John P. Dunning. And he was just like, oh, what a coincidence, right? Yeah. And then, and this is super cool, the handwriting from the note and the letters was sent to a handwriting expert named Theodore (laughs) K-Y-T-K-A-T. Kytak? Theodore Kytak, we'll say. That's him. He's the man. John had also provided love letters that Delia had written to him. So they had like the known sample of her handwriting. And then they compared it to the note and then also the from a friend letters. And they were a match. I'd really like to think that I can disguise my handwriting, but I feel like I can't. Probably not. I think it's like the micro parts of it that. I would have to use a different pen, 100%. Sure. I would love to take a handwriting analysis class or something just for just for fun. I took a fingerprinting class just for fun, which was, I mean, I, I love that class. And it was just very informative. So I think I would, I would love to take a handwriting analysis class. I wonder if they offer them like online or something. 
everything should be online now. Right? COVID still exists, everybody. So put your fucking mask on over the holiday season when you're on a fucking plane. Yeah, good luck with that. Microbiologist almost here. Doctor almost here is telling you. Dr. Hannah. COVID still exists. <gasps> oh my God, when this comes out, my thesis will be fucking submitted. Uh-huh, Dr. Hannah. I won't get the real doctorate till March, but I'll take it. I won't get my real degree, but I will get a verification that I submitted, which is almost as good. So Dr. Hannah says COVID still exists, even though we hate it, and it's ruining everything. Pretty soon we'll be able to have a Dr. Hannah, Dr. Sarah corner. <gasps> Dr. Corner. Mm-hmm. We're going to bring a really bad name to all doctors. But here we go. So... Delia, the police discovered, had moved back home to Stockton to live with her husband. Yeah. He welcomed her back. So the chief and Detective Ed Gibson went down to Stockton to escort Delia back to San Francisco. They gave her the arrest warrant to which she said, quote, the chagrin is past. The horror is over. I've suffered all the humiliation. I am ready. End quote. I love it. Chagrin is such a good vocab word. And she's very dramatic. And this is a part of her personality, too. She's just like extra over the top. Okay. Aries. Could be. Yeah. She was allowed to pack a trunk of her clothes. (laughs) And then they took her up to San Francisco. The Pennington family, as well as the Dover police, wanted the case to be tried in Delaware because that is where the murders actually occurred, right? But the package was sent from San Francisco. So prosecutors from Delaware attempted to extradite Delia, but they were unsuccessful. On October 23rd of 1898, Superior Court judges Cook, Borden, Wallace, Trout, and Sewell ruled that California had jurisdiction and that the state of California would be trying the case. You can see it going both ways, yeah. Yeah. A few days later, on October 28th of 1898, Delia was indicted for two counts of murder. Murder. The trial began on December 6th, 1898, presided over by the Honorable Carol Cook. Was that a man? Yes. Okay, as like a woman judge in 1898? (laughs) Nope, nope. 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 Just a man named Carol. It's like Beverly, also a man. But I think some of these names were more popular as boys' names back in... Yeah, it's really actually interesting to see... kind of flips. ...the name progression, but we're not going to get into that. No. The media was like in a frenzy about this case, right? Because it's, I mean, it's in Delaware. It's in California. So cool. It's like all over the U.S. So like... It was just insane. Many of Mary Elizabeth and Ida's family members traveled all the way from Delaware to San Francisco by train. God, God. Yeah. I don't know. I love train rides. I'm taking the train to L.A., actually. Oh, fun. Because it's Burbank. It's better than driving. It's better than driving. And we're actually meeting in Burbank. And if I wanted to take a plane to the Burbank airport, it'd take about the same amount of time. And be like four right, and more. how much cheaper is the train ticket? So much cheaper, unless I tried to fly Spirit again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. You said you would never do never that. Never again. I ha- I'm going to fly real airlines <laughs> from now on. Or I'll take the train and I get to go right? along the coast. I actually, I would love to take my daughter on a train trip. I don't know, just... Maybe the coast or even like, I don't know, just like to Colorado or something like that. Ooh. So we're getting all the mountain you get really good fun stuff. Yeah. Because I've only done the train through the Central Valley of California, which is not the greatest scenery, but it's better <laughs> than driving it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, anyway. Train trips. Fun stuff. So prosecutors laid out their case. Most of this is circumstantial, right? There's yeah. no like concrete proof, like... They didn't have her photograph, right? They didn't have surveillance cameras back then, right? So, but they had a lot of circumstantial evidence. So the handwriting and the chemical analysis were of particular interest, but people were still kind of leery of the science. So I don't know that those really played a big part, but 
everyone in the courtroom seemed to be very interested by them. Delia did take the stand in her own defense, and she testified to various alibis refuting the purchase and mailing of the chocolates. She gave her testimony in this very, like, meek, mild manner way. Yeah, Yeah. that's a good play. Mm -hmm. Her demeanor in the court was very much opposite of her very flamboyant mannerisms. So, yeah. Right. The trial lasted a month and a half. Jesus. The verdict came quite quickly, only four hours, including a dinner break in there. And Delia was found guilty on two counts of first-degree murder on December 30th of 1898. That's my birthday! Not that year, but... (laughs) Not that year. I'm a ghost! But, I mean, if you look at the timeline, though, so the murders were at the beginning of August, so this is the end of the year. Like. so fast, even with an, a month and a half trial seems very long. Yeah. Especially because I feel like the jury's like, we could call it, we could stop. Like You're like, can you stop talking, please? <laughs> I, we know what we're doing, but we'll take our free dinner. I mean, I'll, same, but. But again, and there was also the back and forth between Delaware and California. So, yeah. I mean, there was so much that happened in this very short amount of time. And that's like, through, like, so. fucking telegram. It was a singing telegram. (laughs) You've been served. (laughs) On February 4th of 1899, Delia was sentenced to life in prison. Interestingly, though, just a few short weeks after the sentencing, Judge Cook saw Delia getting out of a streetcar near the Branch County Jail. She was not accompanied by any guards, anything like that. She's just out there doing her thing. All right. All right. He was like, what the fuck is going on? You just got sentenced to life in prison. I was there. Right? Upon investigating, Judge Cook found that Delia was performing sexual favors in order to be allowed to come and go as she pleased. Why doesn't she just go? Well, and that was, I was like, why wouldn't she just run away? Why would she, like, fucking go back? Go back to give more sexual favors to come. Right. uh, Just leave. Okay. It might have been because on March 9th, 1904, Malcolm divorced Delia. I see. Yeah. The reason he listed on the paperwork was, my wife is a convicted felon. You know what? Granted, welcome. Right? Divorce is granted. Find someone else. Or don't. Whatever you want, welcome. We'll get to that. Oh, no. Delia appealed her conviction, and she actually was granted a new trial in March of 1904, but yet again was found guilty. And the jury in that case, actually, they deliberated for quite a bit longer because they were pretty damn close to sentencing her to death by hanging so worse (laughs) could have been but they did finally agree and they gave her life in prison again sadly welcome died on may 2nd of 1904 from a heart condition not poison no okay And then a year and a day later, on May 3rd of 1905, Delia's son Beverly died of that same heart condition. Oh, interesting. I wonder what it was. It didn't say. It's definitely hereditary. Right? Delia was given permission to attend Beverly's services. She could leave the jail and whatever the fuck she wanted. Judge Cook put put it into that. Okay. But they did give her an escort to allow her to go to her son's services. Okay. So following the great San Francisco earthquake of 1906, Delia was transferred from the local jail to San Quentin Prison, which is just north of... Yeah. Just north of San Francisco. Life in the big house was definitely not as comfortable, and I'm guessing maybe the guards didn't want sexual favors from her or they'd take them and not give you anything i could be not know that women were at san quentin there was like a small tiny little one yeah it's like whatever story i the autumn marie han like she was on the men's death row yeah by herself because she 
there was no woman's death row, so. Yeah, there was nowhere, nowhere else to put her. So Delia learned that John Dunning passed away in April of 1907, not surprisingly due to liver disease. Uh, he did not stop drinking. Well, I mean, even if he did, yeah, he might have just, like, you can do the damage is damaged. done. And it yeah. was 1907, so. He probably didn't go to a doctor. Even if he did go to a doctor, I don't know what the doctor could do. He was overseas, too, as well, so, I mean, who knows. Delia became despondent, though, and she would often refuse to eat, so she's starting to spiral. Yeah, a lot of people have died very, yeah. like... In a very short succession. On March 7th of 1910, at the age of 57, Cordelia Botkin died in prison. The cause of death was listed as, quote, softening of the brain due to melancholy, end quote. Not a real disease. (laughs) So I know that, like, cerebral softening is, like, where you, like, you're bleeding or, like, you're swelling and that, like, puts pressure but I'm not quite sure how the melancholy. I'm just gonna thing throw thinks. it out there. I've been very melancholy. My brain's still the exact gelatin that it needs to be. So essentially, they're saying that she was so like sad, so depressed, her brain she melted. Her brain melted. <laughs> Jesus, that not a real disease, folks. So <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. But okay, right? She had a soft brain. Maybe don't kill people and have to go to prison. G- great advice. Don't do that. So that is the story of Cordelia Soft Botkin. brain. Cordelia Botkin. Petty bitch o'clock. She was super petty. I prefer, like, I don't like, I don't love that she killed Mary Elizabeth. She had nothing to do with it. You gotta poison fucking, although she seemed like she was fucking in love with John. Because she was despondent when he, okay, yeah. let me say this. As someone that hasn't gone over my last relationship but probably should have by now. There are other men. Right? So if John wants to go to fucking Cuba and he doesn't want to take you, you live in San Francisco, bitch. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, there are other men. You don't need to kill their wives. If you kill them, no. <laughs> I think the most important thing to take away from this case is to like be leery of accepting candy I hate from this. strangers. This is also a terrible. Good thing Halloween has passed. Right? Yeah, she so didn't that. direct her pettiness in the direction that I would have preferred. Yeah, I, it was. it's very, very unfortunate. But yeah, it's just like, ah, Mary Elizabeth was not even fucking there. She didn't even want John. She left. She wasn't right? a problem for you. And it wasn't like they were really reconciling because... He was like, going to Cuba. And the likelihood after all of his transgressions and the fact that her father was like a very prominent... Oh, yeah. East Coasty, like, no. He just he's, said that. He's not good enough for you, right? And he's not Mary Elizabeth. Sorry. <laughs> so that's that. Like I said, it's it was a shorty, but it was kind of packed full of interesting stuff. Yeah. Love, hate it. I think we love, hate most of Everything most of we everything. do, we love, hate. <laughs> this podcast is confusing. It is. So I do have a little bit of astrology. It's not not really a busy week, and it looks to be pretty good. So Great, because that will be Dr. Hannah week. Knock on wood. It should be. This episode is going to air on December 12th, and on Monday, December 12th, the sun in Sagittarius will be sextile with Saturn in Aquarius. So that's just that 60-degree aspect. It's going to be a super productive day, so it's time to go ahead and finish shit that you've been putting off like folding your laundry i'll do my laundry (laughs) it's just gonna be one of those days where you're like bam 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 let's get shit done and then saturday december 17th mercury and capricorn is going to be trying with uranus and taurus this is a very stubbornly productive aspect (laughs) but it brings exciting news for our careers and our finances i already got a job but okay Right? But, I mean, I don't know. When do you sign all your paperwork and I stuff? I haven't like, signed my paperwork yet, so that's... I'm guessing it probably isn't on a Saturday, but... It probably won't be. I'm pretty solidly Monday through Friday job. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it sounds like a productive week, which is actually kind of yeah. great if you do celebrate Christmas and you have family or whatever. There's probably a lot of shit you have to get done. 
Oh, you would not even believe how much shit there is I to wouldn't, be done. I don't do any of those things. Also, to end the week on Sunday, Ceres enters Libra. So this transit is actually going to bring some balance in our lives. <gasps> Work life? Mm-hmm. We're going to nourish our souls by taking care of ourselves. Holy shit, so that's eating so right, foreign. Napping, massages. I should get a massage. I'm very tight. Any sort of self-care. It's going to be a, a really great time. And then we're also going to be inclined to take care of the people in our orbit. So all in all, it sounds like a pretty pleasant It's a nice week. day. It's a pleasant yeah. week productive week nothing really gonna like spring up and fuck everything up like exactly which is nice we need some calmness during the holiday season we really need to be productive and organized and be able to get stuff done so this sounds like it's actually gonna work out and i'm very very excited about that yeah so anyways we would love to know Number one, what your favorite sandwich is. Oh, fuck yeah. And where do you get your favorite sandwich? We would also like to know, when was the last time you were a petty bitch? We would love to hear this. Petty bitch corner. Yes. Oh. We want this. So people, please, please reach out with petty bitch examples. I just love corners. (laughs) I know. So you can reach out to us on Twitter at True Trine, on Instagram at True Crime Trine, Facebook, TCT Podcast. I'd really love to hear the petty bitch corner in Discord. So you can also check our Facebook TCT Podcast and our Discord link is on there. And you can email us directly and you can check out our website next year. Next year. 2023. Yeah. I'll be on it. I'll try to mark it. I'll have more time. All right. Well, Ta-da. bye, everybody. Bye. Music for our podcast was handcrafted by the talented and creative minds of Mike Warren and Pete Ortega. Our artwork was imagined and skillfully designed by the lovely Sarah Guest. As for production, well, they call me post-production. Show notes are available upon request. Just email truecrimetrine at gmail.com. Join us again next week for another tantalizing episode.